to the Family Movie Night podcast, where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content you consume. This is episode 66, and fellas, I've been dreaming of a true love's kiss, and I've been married for almost 15 years now, and I'm still waiting. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. But hey, look, uh, Donnie Dorsey, hero of our podcast, also coming up on this is uh, this is what fit fourteen years for you guys, right? Yeah, this will be fourteen. Fourteen years for me and my wife as well. Donnie, what when is your anniversary? Uh, Uh-oh, July. Donnie, the, Donnie, the Donnie. It's the end of July. It's the end of July. He was killed by the uh. So <laughs> Don, uh. Donnie, that was too uh. long of an uh. <laughs> and at that moment, we realized. It was yes. done. <laughs> he messed up. Donnie, Donnie got married, yes, end of July 2009. And my wife and I got married in September, September 5th, 2009. See, that's how you do it, Donnie. You ask someone else a question so you have time to prepare. To remember. <laughs> <laughs> let well, me answer. Spike it. <laughs> let me answer your question with a question. <laughs> what is your anniversary? <laughs> Uh, uh, very good. Well, yes, the hero of our podcast, Donnie Dorsey, uh, which in this case, uh, for the movies we're discussing today, you get to be Prince Charming, I guess. Right. Right. Because either one is Prince Charming. Right. Isn't that the way that it works? There's the Jason Marsden Prince Charming, who is kind of this fictitious one. So but I'll say, I'm Susan Sarandon. OK, wait, wait, I'm Susan actually, Sarandon. Technically, I wasn't Charming be the good guy you, and the bad Sawyer. guy. Because I, I think the like uh, Prince Charming could technically the, be the good guy and the bad guy. That's what I was going to say. As I said, I think in this case, the the uh, villain of our podcast, who is the single <laughs> stepmother, <laughs> who either one you get to be okay because you get Susan yeah. Sarandon in the first movie and uh, you Maya get Rudolph. Yeah, Maya Rudolph in the second movie. I'll take Susan Sarandon, okay? Yeah, I will say I I love Maya Rudolph, but oh, yeah. Susan Sarandon knocks it out of the park in this first yeah. movie. In case you are unaware what we are talking about uh, from the description or you haven't seen it, we are talking about Enchanted and Disenchanted today. These are two films uh, on available on Disney Plus. Uh, Enchanted. I'm gonna take a guess. So Sawyer, let's. I, I haven't looked this up beforehand. So let's see if if I'm good. I think Enchanted came out in 2010. Oh man, this uh, is like the first, you're like actually on the spot, and this is the first time you've gotten it wrong. Oh man, what is, it is 2007. Whoa, okay. I thought I was married when this came out. Man, maybe I no, I think I saw it in theaters. So man, my memory of this is way off. Maybe what? When did it come out? Is this a summer release? Let me see. I'm pretty sure it was a summer release. Thinking back, so I'm trying to think. I remember seeing this released. Oh dang! Not even summer. November twenty first, two thousand seven. This makes sense. Then I think my family had. I had a, a memory that this was a family outing, and I bet we went and saw it around Thanksgiving. And I bet Jennifer came with us. That would. That's my guess. But. Anyway, Enchanted 2007 uh, and Disenchanted, which came out earlier or late, I should say, last year. Was that a was that a Disney Plus Day release? Yeah, it feels like it. Yeah. 
Yes. Okay, so that was also November. Yeah. Yeah. November 2022, Disenchanted. Uh, If you're not aware of what either of these movies are are about, uh, the first movie is uh, Enchanted is kind of a parody, I guess, or maybe more satire of the Disney princess oeuvre. Uh, All of the different kind of things that go into it. Amy Adams at the beginning of the movie is this princess type uh, from uh, a cartoon land. Uh, Is it Andalasia? Yeah. I think it's Andalasia. Yeah. Yeah. Andalasia. And she gets transported by her uh, wicked stepmother, played by Susan Sarandon, to the real world of 2007, New York City. But she thinks in terms of the way a Disney princess would, she's looking for her happily ever after. She's looking for her Prince Charming. She comes across a single dad uh, played by, it's Patrick. uh, Oh, someone's going to remind me. Patrick Dempsey. Dempsey, yes, of Grey's Anatomy fame. Uh, And anyway, that movie is about them falling in love, overcoming kind of all these ideas they have about happily ever after. And then the second movie, which just came out, Disenchanted, uh, takes place about 15 years later as the uh, daughter of uh, Patrick Dempsey's character has now become a teenager and she is uh, dealing with all the mom-daughter relationship problems that yeah. probably many of our listeners are used to if you've got a teenage daughter. Uh, and this time, Amy Adams wishes back to, uh, can I have my happily ever after? Could life be like a fairy tale? Uh, and they go back through all of that mess. Uh, but before we get into talking about these movies, Donnie Dorsey, why don't you tell them what we do on this podcast? Yeah. So on this podcast, we encourage every family at Community Christian Church to have a monthly movie night to help you and your children build memories and start conversations that matter. The goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical of that is for you to have a routine regular time of connection and shared experiences that'll help you build stronger relationships. And uh, on this podcast, we want to not only recommend some movies you can watch on your monthly movie night, but give you some ideas of meaningful conversations you could have with your children during or after the movie. And as always, the point of this podcast is not to add another thing on your list of things to do as a parent that you feel guilty about not doing. We want to make it easier for you and your kids to enjoy being together so you can build memories and have conversations that matter. Well, we think we have uh, two great movies to help you do that today. As already mentioned, they're available on Disney Plus, Enchanted and Disenchanted. So before we get into our discussions of these movies, I got to know up front who's Who's the an enchanted person? Who's a disenchanted person? You gotta. It's is this is Popeyes versus Chick Fil A. You gotta make a choice. Which one sits on top in your mind? Enchanted. enchanted. Sawyer's enchanted. just coming out the gate hot. All right, yeah. let's enchanted. talk. Let's talk about that then, Sawyer. What? Why okay. enchanted over disenchanted? So it's not that disenchanted is bad. It's that enchanted. I think the humor works better in Enchanted for one thing. Um, and then I also, I don't know what it is. And I think we're going to talk about this a lot in the themes. I care a lot more about the character arc going on in Enchanted than I do about Disenchanted. Um, and so there's that. I also, I just love all the satirical stuff going on 
in this movie making jokes about previous Disney princesses. It totally works for me. Um, there's not as much of that in Disenchanted, and uh, and so I, I definitely miss some of that. I will say, Disenchanted has a much better animal sidekick than mm. than uh, than Enchanted does. Okay, that that I'm willing to say, but right. but I'll I'll take regular Enchanted every day of the week. I could see how the first Enchanted works as well as it does for you in comparison because of where you are stage of life, right? Yeah. Like, oh, in, oh, yeah. Sawyer also still looking for his true love's kiss, man. Yeah, That's I was thinking what, the same thing. I was yeah. thinking the same thing because for me, I think I, I when I was when I was like in the twenties, like stuff like that. Enchanted was definitely that thing because I would have said enchanted every time because it has that same feel but i feel like i connect more with disenchanted because mm. it feels relatable to my current state of life is that the challenges that come the you know the obstacles that you have to overcome and the things that you thought were one way and they're completely opposite to what you thought they would be and i think it's more compelling for me at this point in this stage of my life but I mean, I think both of them are good. But I would, I'd say, honestly, disenchanted. Oh wow, man! Here we go. We got, we got it split right down the middle. So I'll say this: the reason I asked that was because I'm kind of split. I, I'm, I was, I was expecting uh, when I watched Disenchanted to not be that into it uh, because one, I, I'll just come out and say this: I'll take the Sawyer Hewlett approach. I don't know <laughs> if I'm the target demo. <laughs> <laughs> for either enchanted or disenchanted and this is what i mean the first enchanted was a movie that i kind of like smirked at like okay i see what you're doing here but i have never been a person who is a deep like whatever disney file like i am not oh i'm really obsessed with whatever disney princess all that kind of stuff so the satire didn't hit me as hard even at like, I guess, 17 when I saw this the first time. Um, but I really, I just think Amy Adams is both uh, not only a really like talented actress in yes. that she can play wide ranges of characters, but I remember seeing her and this was one of the first like big leading roles I remember seeing her in. And she's so charismatic in that first yeah. movie. She has a she, lot of like in this movie. She has in Disenchanted. She has so much more depth to her character, yeah, than she had in Enchanted because she was being everything you wanted her to be. And in Disenchanted, you got to see the level that she can go. Like right. she can be as charismatic as she needs in the positive sense, or she can be as charismatic in the evil sense, kind of thing. Right. Yeah, so the first movie to me is really carried by both her and Susan Sarandon. I think both of them are so powerful. I was a big X-Men movie fan, so seeing James Marsden, you know, not playing Cyclops, playing this, like, um, you know, funny but also singing character. You know, he he kind of shows all these chops. All of that about the first one kind of wins me over, but it was never a movie I was nostalgic for. I never was sitting around being like, when are they going to make a second Enchanted? As I know lots of people were. I know this sounds really, I'm not, I am not criticizing if you like it. It just was not, at 17, this was not the movie. I was like, I got to watch this movie. Yeah. Um, but 
Disenchanted. So when I'm going into Disenchanted, I'm thinking it's not going to be for me. And I was a little shocked how engaging it was. And I think like Donnie said, um, it's a stage of life thing for me. I think watching it and kind of having a preteen daughter and being at the beginning stages of this like, you know, you get a little disenchanted with, you know, to, to, to use the word of how you think your life is going to go. And there are days you wake up and you think, I wish life could be a fairy tale. And I wish things could be a little easier. Donnie, was that relatable for you? 100%. Because I mean, while my kids aren't necessarily at that particular stage, but I definitely can relate because there are, you know, when you go into being a family, you know, you have your, you start your family, you have these, these expectations of what it will be like. And oftentimes to no fault of anyone in the family, those expectations aren't met because we're not robots. You know, we're, we're, there's a lot of people with a lot of different opinions and learning. Like you got young kids learning the world and then they have someone telling them how it's supposed to be done and then teaching them. And it's so many different moving parts that eventually, you know, you move a couple, you know, get some winds, some high winds and some low winds, you get a tornado, you know, <laughs> and that's what happens. You cause destruction. And, you know, that's what happens. You have the highs and lows in family and relationships is that eventually you are going to have some damage and, and then you have to repair from the damage. So, yeah. And I think, I think you're talking about expectations and maybe this uh, kind of goes into our themes really for today, but I think what is so good about both of these movies, but I think Disenchanted hits even harder, is the villain of the movie are the expectations you carry yep. into the relationship. You know, in the first movie, it's uh, the these this idea of a true love's kiss and a soulmate and a prince charming and all of that. The expectations of how easy romance should be yep. are the villain that you have to defeat. And then in the second movie, it's, my and still, I think romance plays because the the relationship between Amy Adams and Patrick Dempsey has really changed as it changes when you become a parent. And my expectations of what I thought being a parent of a of an adult would be has to kind of be dealt with. And so, I think both of the movies honestly are pretty strong. And I think if you've got young children in the home, uh, I will say this: as far as music goes, I feel like the first movie has a lot more bangers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the music in the first movie is pretty solid. The second one is still good and it's fun, but it's kind of forgettable music. Yeah, it's music. it's more it's it's more in line with what we've become accustomed to with things like uh like the Encantos and stuff like that sure. in Enchanted is that you remember it and it's yes. part it's so embedded in the story that you can't forget it whereas the Disenchanted is like it's there, it's present but it's it plays a back like it's very much background. Yeah, yeah. Sawyer, is is that where you fall on the two? Yeah, I definitely. I, I I think you know you guys are talking about stage of life, and and I think you guys are exactly correct. I think there's a stage of life thing for me that goes into enjoying Enchanted more. I also just yeah, the the music is like I I hadn't watched this movie. Since. You mentioned your theater story. When I saw this movie in theaters, I was like, I freaking hate princess movies. Why do I have to go and see this with my stupid little sister? And I walked in. I was like, this is like an edgy 
princess movie. Right. Um, and I was 11, so I didn't know what edgy actually was. <laughs> thing. So I was like, hey, it's making fun of princess movies. So fine. Um, and so I, I found something to enjoy out of it. But uh, but yeah, I also I, I think the music is is definitely ex- exceptional. And uh, I'll say, I think if you have a really any age daughter, I think there's going to be a, either one will be a hit. I oh, think. Yeah. I think teenage uh, daughter is going to be just as interested in these movies as a uh, set, you know, seven or six year old daughter. So nothing objectionable in either of them. And so I think you're, you've got a, a good movie night. If you're like me and have four daughters of varying ages, this one can kind of hit all of those things. So um, let's transition now to talk about the themes. Um, what, what really the theme of our episode is, and this one is about funny enough, I realized we haven't talked about romance and we're 66 episodes in and we haven't had one. We had the episode crazy rich Asians yeah. where we talked, but we talked about wealth more than we talked about romance. And we've had other ones that, you know, we've done a couple date night episodes, but we didn't really talk about romance. And what we want to talk about in this is how do you talk with your kids about these kind of ideas of romance, especially as they're getting to an age where romance and dating uh, is going to be on the horizon. And for the context of this episode, we're not primarily talking about how do you talk about uh, sex or lust or any of those kind of issues. Those are important ones to talk about, and we probably would need a whole episode to deal with that. So I don't want to get... uh, into all of that today i'm talking about these ideas that the movie especially the first enchanted really brings up of happily ever after is what you're going for and this idea of uh happily ever after is a romance where once you find the girl once you find the right guy and y'all get together everything's easy you go off into the sunset and you grow old together and nothing's ever difficult well, we know that's not true, but for some reason, every movie we watch and sometimes even the messages we give to our kids convinces them that they need to be looking for the perfect person for them. So let's just start with why is that not a helpful way to talk about romance to our kids? Uh, does anyone want to start on that? Um, I mean, I, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I, uh, I definitely think like, you know, it, it sets your kid up for failure. Um, you know, I think, um, one, one of my top three favorite movies of all time is Goodwill Hunting. And, uh, Robin Williams has a line in that movie about how Will played by Matt Damon is like talking about this girl, how she's perfect is the thing. And how, and Will's like, well, I'm going to leave her because I don't want to find out that she's not perfect. And he's like, she's not perfect. The question is whether or not you're perfect for each other. And like, that means that you're going to have to deal with their imperfection. And there's this wonderful scene where, uh, where Robin Williams, character talks about his now passed away his wife. Uh, he talks about her imperfections, but like in a compassionate and loving way. And I think that that's so important for your, for kids to understand is like, there are not going to be all perfect moments. There are going to be moments where your wife farts in her sleep. And you've got to be willing to laugh about that. Just so people are way. clear, he's referencing the scene from Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. That was not just something that was in Sawyer's head. 
Robin Williams says the thing he misses most about his wife, what he remembers most when he thinks about her is is that. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to make clear to anyone listening going, why was that his go-to? <laughs> <laughs> Very yeah. good. No, but I think that's a really good point, Sawyer. And I think, Donnie, uh, is that what you were going to get to, too, of this idea of there are no perfect people? In a in a way, like definitely uh, on that verge. But I was also I was thinking about it sets up this expectation that we're going to find that that happy, like the happy ever after in a person, Mm. which isn't realistic because you're it's like trying to, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, it's like trying to build a house on sand. Like it will eventually collapse if the whole thing is based on that person meeting an expectation before you even have a relationship. Like you're like, I, I seen everything you've done. I expect you to be this way at all times, knowing that, you know, just like, you know, the weather, it changes daily. And so if, if you go into relationships with the expectation that that person is going to complete you you know to steal from like uh jerry mcguire it's not it's not realistic because no one will complete you because no one it's not puzzle pieces it's more of like marble and you you shape it into these beautiful statuesque relationships and you know when you look at art art is all about perspective like you view it through different things and i think if you go into a relationship you say hey you're going to complete me you will go into that relationship in a position to, for it to fail. Yeah. Well, I think that's really good. And I think the thing that you hit on there, Donnie, that I want to highlight is there's there the one, like Sawyer said, I think this is true, is one, the number one reason is let's not set our kids up for failure. Yeah. Uh, let's Let's not talk about marriage or dating or romance in such a way that makes them think the point of this is for me to be happy and for me to find a person who makes me happy. That language is not helpful because anyone who's been married, Donnie and I have been married for 14 years, not to each other. Donnie and I have been married in separate marriages for 14 years and it's not all happy. And I wouldn't even say that the, the best thing that has come out of my marriage is that I'm happier. I am happy, but that's not the best thing that's come out of it. The best thing about my marriage has been the way that it has shaped me to become a more selfless, self-giving person who is interested in the needs of others, which trains me to be more like Jesus, which to Donnie's point, he's the only one who can complete me. He is the one who makes my life good and pleasing and satisfying not my marriage. My marriage is an opportunity for me to love and serve someone else. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think, and like, especially going on your point is that I think marriage essentially, if I'm, uh, if I'm being honest, I think it, it is that idea of it's what shapes you to be who you are, because in a marriage, you have to extract the self selfishness and a lot of the pieces of you that are often the things that keep you from being who God wants you to be. Because in order to be more Christ-like, you have to be more selfless. You have to put others first. You have to constantly love someone in spite of where they may be at that particular moment. And that like that type of perspective, it just changes 
everything in a relationship because if I go and because like you know you hear conversations about oh well this is 50 50 and da 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 no it's never 50 50 it's a lot of times it's 80 20 20 80 like 60 40 all those different things because we're all going to be at different stages and if you give that misperception of yeah you're going to get happy by being with this person you will immediately be disappointed the second that they they have a bad day or they have a rough moment and like you imagine like the moments like where Jesus like meets people at their lowest point. And he's like, he didn't go, Oh man, this doesn't make me happy. Yeah. <laughs> it was more like, well, how can I be here for you? How can I support you? How can I love you? How can I put you first? Yeah. You know? Well, and I think so. I think we're all kind of in agreement of this idea of ha happily ever after, or this idea even of soulmate, that there's this one perfect person out there for me and I need to find them. It's not helpful and it may even be damaging to our kids because it may give them expectations that set them up for failure. Yep. And I think uh, I read a book and this was years ago. So the research has probably even gone farther, but uh, Aziz Ansari, who is a comedian, uh, all comedians get asked to write books. And he said he didn't know what to write one about. So he asked a sociologist to help him write a book on romance. And he's like, he'll do all the studying. And then I'll just make jokes about the study. And yeah. he said, uh, this book is called, I think it's called Modern Romance. And in it, he talks about kind of what has changed in modern dating with like the invention of like dating apps and those kind of things. And he said, though, the really good thing about dating app culture is that it has broadened our horizons to be able to find people in different ways. He said one negative aspect of it is, is this idea that I can customize the perfect person for me. Yeah. That I can put all my preferences in. Here's the TV shows I like. Here's the kind of food I like. Here's how I like to travel or not travel. And I put all those things into an algorithm and it spits out a person. And I'm supposed to think this person is perfect for me. And he said, what ends up happening, and it's why people are getting married later in life. It's why when they're in relationships, they seem less satisfied. Is because the expectation is this person should complete everything for me. They should be perfect. They should fit all my preferences. And I remember saying to teenagers years ago, and this is part of the book, he talks about when you look at relationships that were formed in the 1930s and 40s and 50, and these, they would go to marriages where people had been together 50, 60, 70 years. And they would ask them, How did you know he was the one? How did you know she was the one? You know, what made you so sure? And they'd be like, well, there were about six girls in my high school and she was the cutest one. I thought it was time to get married. So we just said, let's do this. And we've been married 70 years. And they asked him, well, what's the key? And he said, you just work at it. Yep. I, I, I made a decision and I said, I'm sticking with this decision. And so I think in now, we can't go back to that. So that's not my suggestion. I, there's no way to, to re remove all of the smartphones from the world. And you can't ever go back to a world where your kid's in a high school with only six girls. So what are you going to do? And I think what's important in what we're trying to say is there are different skill sets that are important to help our kids develop. So here's one that I think I used to teach to students. I want us to talk about this a little. This is not original to me. It actually comes from a pastor named Andy Stanley, but I think it's a great phrase. Um, it's this. It's be the one that you're looking for 
is looking for. Be the type of person the person you're looking for is looking for. And what he means is, he says, go ahead and dream up the perfect girl in your mind. Go ahead and dream up. She loves Jesus. She loves her family. She, you know, she works really hard. She's really dedicated. She's a good listener. She's bought, do all those things. That kind of woman is never going to date you <laughs> because you're not any of those things. The kind of woman who would be the perfect woman is looking for a kind of person who's a different person than you probably are right now. And so if you want a woman who's a really good listener or you want a guy who's a really good listener, become a really good listener. If you want to become the kind of person you want to marry a person who really loves Jesus, well, she if she really loves Jesus and you don't, she ain't interested in you. If she's got a really good relationship with her brothers and sisters and you treat them like dirt, she ain't interested in you. And so instead of in high school, trying to teach our kids like, are you interested in any girls? Are you interested in any boys? Maybe start having the conversation of, hey, become the kind of person that this girl you're looking for, this guy you're looking for would be interested in. Donnie, do you see, I know we've had that actual, you and I have both had that conversation with students. How do you think that conversation changes the perspective as, as you were saying? I think that changes the conversation significantly um, because if you are working and I know this, like, I don't, I don't know how this will be uh, understood or like, but if you work on yourself to be the loving, the kind, the patient person that you want, what you will do is you will draw people to you. Mm. You know, it's the difference. It's like how Jesus was. You want Jesus was compassionate and loving and patient with people, and he drew people to him. But often we expect that people are going that we should, uh, that people should just naturally just fawn over us because we're, you know, we're all these different things. But in, in fact, most of the time we aren't those things. We yeah. seek those from other people because we struggle in those areas. We want someone who's patient because we know that we have a temper or maybe it's road rage or whatever it may be like. And you want someone who is, you know, less angry, you know, because maybe you, you know, you deal with that in your lack of patience, you know. And if we work toward being the people that we want in our lives then we will draw those type of people closer to us. Yes. As I always used to say, crazy finds crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like finds like whenever, whenever you see a person that they're like, every person I date is nuts. I'm like, well, <laughs> you might be looking in the mirror. Uh, <laughs> and, and I found that the other way too, that people who are naturally kind and generous, the people that they're interested in, are people who are kind and generous and like Jesus. Uh, And so I think that's a really important one. Another one, and this slightly gets into the area of like uh, how your kids handle sexuality and all that kind of stuff. I would encourage your kids to focus on these questions. What honors God? What honors this other person? And what honors myself? That when I'm making decisions about dating, maybe you have a teenager, and they're starting to think about dating. And that kind of freaks you out because you know all the complications that come with that. The conversation I would have a lot is, 
are you making choices that honor God? And so what God says about sexuality, that it's for one man, one woman who are married forever, are the decisions you're making reflecting that? Are the decisions you're making, are the things you're texting this girl or that you are texting this boy, are the images you're sending, are they honoring them? Are you asking for things that don't honor them? Are you sending things or texting things that don't honor you and God's image for you? See, these are important conversations. Instead of trying to figure out, hey, let me put boundaries in this kind of thing. You're teaching your kid, who soon will be an adult, the kind of things they should be thinking of. You're putting a good picture in their mind. What honors God? What honors this other person? What honors myself? Sorry, were you going to say something? It looked like you were going to say something. Nope. Nope. No. I, How many weeks in a row is this at this point that you've been like, sir, are you going to say something? And I have nothing to say. <laughs> nothing to add on that. But Donnie's going to say something. Don't have sex before you're married. There you go. That's a good one. I think the biggest thing, especially for parents to understand, is that it doesn't matter how many things you tell them that are right if you're not giving the example of what it looks like. There you like go. Like if you're telling them when you, if you're like, hey, you find someone who's um, kind and generous and patient, but with their, with your wife or your husband, you're a jerk, you're disrespectful and you constantly show that in front of them, you are telling them that do as I say, not as I do. But if you set the example and you show them, hey, I honor your, you know, your mother or your father in our relationship with how I speak, how I treat them. What you're doing is you're setting, you're setting the example ahead of time. You're saying, look, I want this to be your expectation of who, how people treat someone. Like, would you want someone to treat your your sister like that? Would you want someone to treat your brother like that? Then treat them the way you would want someone to treat those people that you love so dearly, you know, because every time those problems happen, a lot of times in those relationships, it's because we said a lot and we had good intentions, but we didn't give them the example of what it looks like. Because as a parent, we're either like, it's kind of, a lot of times it's, it's both, it's the opposite ends of the spectrum. You're either way too transparent (laughs) or you're not transparent enough. And so your kids only see these misrepresentations. And so the best part, I think, for parents at any age is just be the example of the person you want them to seek. That's great, Donnie. And that's what I was going to say is moms, the way you treat their father. And this is true. This is true. Whether you are still married to their father or not, the way you treat their father will be the way they expect things to go. The father, same difference. With, with mothers, the way you treat them, once again, whether you're together or not, the yep. way that you interact will be a thing. And we've talked about this before, um, but this is why it's important to allow yourself to have arguments or conflicts in front of your kids and to let them see you resolve yep. it in a godly manner. Yep. Let them see it happen. So they, they, I had no qualms about thinking my parents had a happily ever after marriage because <laughs> I saw this takes work. This takes apologies. You know, in the 1970s, there's that movie Love Story. And the quote from it was, love means never having to say you're sorry, which is the dumbest thing because love means all you're doing constantly is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't. No, I'm sorry. 
No. In marriages where no one ever says sorry, that's that's doomed right there. Where yeah. no one can say they're sorry, no one can say they're wrong. So, like Donnie said, model it. Another thing that I think is huge for future, and I'm talking about future dating. So this is really good if you got young kids in the house and you're, you know, my girls aren't thinking past romance, past what they see on TV. They don't think too much about, you know, specific boys and the idea of dating because they're almost all below the age of 10. But the way I say to them a lot is you will treat your future spouse the way, as Donnie said, the way you treat your sister. Because these are people, and and everyone knows this. Everyone knows this. The people you're closest to, you do the worst things to. You say the worst things. You treat them in ways you would never treat. Even people who are your enemy publicly, but if they're your family, because you know we have this bond, and they're not going to just leave over a little argument. You say and do things that do put cracks in the relationship. Yep. And so being able to say to them, and vice versa, if you've got a teenager, I remember my dad said this a lot, when you go over to meet their parents, watch the way she speaks to her dad. Watch the way she speaks to her mom. That tells you a lot about how your marriage will turn out because the way you treat the people around you who are closest to you, eventually you're going to be the person who is closest to them. And you need to know these things. I want to throw out uh, just a, one other thing as we're kind of wrapping up. I think one thing to help our kids kind of figure out romance and dating is to help them really get clear on what is it I should be paying attention to. As my kids are getting older, you know, and I'm starting to think about, you know, my preteen probably in the next three to five years is going to start thinking about, do I want a boyfriend? Do I want to go on dates? And we got to start having those conversations. I want to be able to say to her, here's what you're looking for. There are really three big things that I see rip apart relationships in the future that I, I have said to teenagers over and over again. This is what you're looking for. The three values are God, family, and money. That these are the big three things that cause the most conflict with people in marriage and that end up tearing people apart. And you want to find out what, not what they say they believe. Because if you're a girl and you got a boy who's interested in you, he will say he believes anything you want him to say. It's what do you see in their life? So God is most important. Does this person truly value Jesus? Does this person truly value being a part of the church? Is church a regular part of their life? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, if church matters to you, you want to make sure this person that I love, do they love Jesus like I love Jesus? Because we can disagree about music. We can disagree about movies. We can disagree about vacations and our personalities can, as Donnie said before we film, those things are going to change as you get older. Your entire personality will change as you get older. But your love for Jesus should be a constant. Next, what about their family? You know, as, as you're starting to get older, how do they treat their family? Are they close with their family? Do they respect their parents? Do they speak kindly to their brothers and sisters as they get older into like college? And, you know, you're actually maybe this, this couple is talking about marriage. You want them thinking about, does this person want kids? Do I want kids? How do I want to raise my kids? Because those things become big problems. And once again, not what they say they believe. What is, at, what is shown in their life? And then the other one is money. And this is the one no one wants to talk about. But money is a big leading cause of conflict and divorce in our country. 
So you want to find out, am I the kind, is he the kind of person, is she the kind of person who always has to have the newest and nicest thing? And am I the kind of person who wants to kind of be really wise and saving? And maybe I don't even want to have a new thing, right? I don't ever want to spend that much money on a car. It's not necessarily that one's wrong or one's the other, but are we going to be button heads on this over and over again? Does this person want to go out to eat five times a week and I want to stay in five times a week? Those are things I would help narrow things down for your kids. Now that's future conversations. But if you can start planning that, this is the number one. If you got young kids, here's the conversation I would have. Hey, did, does that? Do you think that you know? Even and I say this a lot to my girls when we'll, we watch Survivor, and they'll be like, "Oh, that boy, he's cute. Oh, ooh, I think he's cute," which is weird to me. I'm now now in this world of four girls picking out which boy is the cutest, you know, and they have no actual desire to date these people. They're just saying what's cute. But I say a lot. Well, do you think he loves Jesus? Because, you know, whoever you date, he should love Jesus. Why is that important? And getting them beyond who's cute, who has a kind of fun personality, who does cool things, to thinking about, do they love Jesus? Do they love their mom and dad? Do they, do they respect themselves? All of that kind of stuff. This is the important stuff to be kind of finding ways to work it into conversations. That as your kids old, get older, they're They're looking to not only look for the right kind of person, but they are looking to be the kind of person the person they're looking for is looking for. And that by the end of it all, that they're, as Donnie has said from the beginning, the thing that completes them should not be a man, should not be a woman. It should be Jesus who gave himself for them. And that's what we want most. So a lot of good stuff in this conversation, but most of all, we just hope that your desire is to help your kids grow to love Jesus and his way of life and that whatever they decide about romance and dating, whether they're ever interested in, maybe they're going to be single forever, which is fine that you end up saying to them in the middle of that, what's most important is how you love Jesus and his way of life. Uh, And we're going to have conversations next week to help you do that even more. We'll see you then.